You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. All the girls are complicated. Everyone is precious too, and you might get lucky if you do. Oh, you might get lucky if you do. Find the one that makes you laugh. Find the one that takes your breath where you won't get everything that you want. Oh, but you'll need one to don't Okay, so next episode is called Sheepdog. And the the message on this one, uh, listeners, is just sometimes a mom just needs 20 minutes. So our episode starts out, mom has been prepping dinner. She's had the kids. Uh, Bandit comes back from, like, running an errand. He's gotten a haircut. That plays into the episode a lot that he got a mullet. Um, and he comes in, and Chili looks at him and just, like, at dinner's in the crock This isn't, and she looks at him and she's like, oh, I need 20 minutes where nobody looks and speaks to me. And she just kind of walks off and bandit recognizes like, okay, yeah, kids have probably, the kids have clearly been really annoying. Like Bluey's playing like a recorder very poorly. And uh, Bingo is telling very bad jokes to her, like expecting this like huge laugh. And so Chili's really obviously had to put in a lot of emotional labor this afternoon and she just needs a break. And the girls, especially Bluey, just do not understand that. They don't understand, well, well, I must have done something wrong. Mom's mad at me because I've done something wrong. And it's kind of, uh, and so Bandit is trying to distract the girls. And finally, their neighbor, Wendy, kind of uh, recognizes or figures out what's going on because Bluey just says, Mom doesn't want to see us. She just needs 20 minutes. And... Wendy takes the moment to tell Bluey, you know, your mom, mother loves you. She's not angry with you. Why don't you go upstairs and play with Judo, her daughter? And it just works out and it's fine. And Chili gets her 20 minutes. And I think that there are all times when you just need 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. You don't need a nap. You don't need, you just need, you know, you just need to scroll Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or you know, read your favorite blog site or just something where nobody needs you for a very short amount of time, right? Yeah, I love this episode. And I also, again, I'm going to go back to watching it with older children. One of the things, so my eldest is just the world's most empathetic soul on the planet. And so he will read you the moment you walk in the door. And if you are, if you're worn out or exhausted or whatever it might be, he's really tuned into that. And so he identifies with Bluey where when she's like, what did I do wrong? That's often what my sweet little guy will say to me. And so uh, when we were rewatching this, like you could just tell for him, it was, it was revelatory that like, oh, Bluey didn't do anything wrong. Like I think children can think that they are somehow uniquely difficult or that they've done something uniquely bad instead of just seeing it as a normal part of a parent-child relationship is that sometimes you need quiet. And I think part of the beauty of Bluey is that it's able to give kids that outside perspective that you as a parent really can't do in the same way. Like I can tell my child, this is normal. This is what like this happens. But until they see Bluey, 
doing it and, and watch that dynamic unfold in a really hilarious way, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of hit home the same way. Yeah, that makes, that makes so much sense. And I think it's really great that that was, a. Uh that that was kind of illuminating for him. It oh, makes yeah. me want to rewatch that episode with my kids. Cause I'll, I'll say to mine, like, <laughs> cause and, and my, cause there are four, right. And, and I have, we have one who he is almost always singing or reciting something mm-hmm. out loud all the time. And to a certain degree, you know, I'm used to it. And so it doesn't always get me. But if he's doing that, especially in the car, if he's doing that and then the two in the back, Arden and Kevin sit in the back together and they will like have loud conversations together, like making up stories or something. If that's also happening at the same time, like anytime there's multiple different sources of noise in the room at the same time, I, I start to get like a little bit of sensory overload. And I'll say to my kids, I just I need you guys to be quiet for like five minutes. Beca- and I'll, and I, But I've started saying that because I've realized you know, and I, I didn't verb or I didn't, I didn't kind of reason out to myself that, that the reason I say this is because I don't want them to think that I don't like them or don't love them or whatever, but I'll say like, you know, all of this noise is giving me a headache. So can you, I just need you guys just to be quiet for a minute. Like, I'll try to explain why, like, yeah. you know, that, that it's, it's overwhelming when there's tons of people making lots of noise in the room at the same time, you know, like try to explain it. And some of that I think is I, I chronically explain to my kids in part because of autism, because my oldest is rigidly logical and she wants to know the reason for everything. So I've just gotten mm-hmm. used to always giving her a reason, like age appropriate reason for yeah. everything. Um, but I, you know, I, it does reinforce for them that it's not like you I like that you said they're not uniquely irritating. It's not like as if children are the only people who can cause problems or make you upset or whatever. Um, and, uh, and oftentimes it's just attrition because if it's just one of them making noise, I'm usually okay. But like, you know, in the episode, Bluey's playing the recorder. Also, Bingo's doing something totally different, but also noisy, you know, and um, it's just, it can be a lot. And so um, I really like that they talked about that and then it's presented as totally normal and that there's nothing wrong with Chili for wanting to be away from her children yeah. for an amount of time. Now, in this case, it's only 20 minutes, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, like... It's, um, I'll never forget, which this is a different, this, this was for a different reason, but, you know, I had friends that right after they had their, especially their first baby who just did not want to be apart from the baby. Right. And would like, and like never left the baby for the first few months of the kid's life. I, on the other hand, I have a vivid memory of when Arden was, my first was five days old. And I asked if I could go run the errand to Walmart because I, I felt like I needed to get outside of the house to feel like myself. She'd only been there for five minutes or five days. She was only five days old, but like, and it was probably about a 20 minute trip. I just needed 20 minutes to run to Walmart to buy something and not be in the same house as the baby who was like consuming all of my time, right. With her feeding needs and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was so stressed. And, um, and so I think, you know, it doesn't change that, that kids can be overwhelming. It's just for different reasons. And when they get bigger, you need your 20 minutes for a different reason. But I think that it does, it helps that 20 minutes helps you regain yourself as a separate person from them. Right. Because they're, they need you so much and often are all touching you at the same time. Right. Like I've, I've taught, I've heard friends to the bathroom. Yeah, like, yeah, well, and this doesn't happen as much to me because this is not a trigger for me. Noise gets me more, but I, I've, I've heard friends talk about being, like, touched out. Like, 
you know, by the end of the day, like needing 20, 30 minutes with nobody because they cannot stand to have hands on them anymore. Like they just, they are like, I need people not pulling on my clothes. I need people not touching me all the time, you know? Um, and I think, and I really like too, that um, even though Bandit doesn't address it perfectly, <laughs> And, you know, Wendy's expertise as a mom is still needed also as a helper and a friend, you know, um, that he gets it as soon as he walks in, he understands her feelings, right? Like, he doesn't ask her to explain why. Yeah. <laughs> He's not like, tell me all the reasons you need these 20 minutes. Like, give me a, a rundown of what the day was like, whatever. He's just like, okay, cool. I get it. I understand that. I also, I appreciated <clears throat> that the way that they portrayed him was not that he got it perfectly right. Because I feel like that's also realistic. Like, very often my husband can't exactly tell what it was, what perfect constellation led me to the place where I just need 20 minutes alone, but he sees it and he will do what he can to kind of get me that time. Um, even if it is imperfect, even if, you know, he is kind of actually just this afternoon, I went down in our little gym and was trying to get a bike ride in just because I had gotten, the kids had gotten up before me because they're sick. And so they were coughing. And then, you know, we just kind of had a day where there was a lot of um, family togetherness in a very loud, boisterous, and for me, it's people calling my name. So my kids will always start off with mom before putting in. So I don't know, there's something about that that just makes your attention feel like it's being yanked over and over and over and over again, even in the course of like a simple conversation. So anyhow, we had gotten to a point where I was like, all right, I'm going to go downstairs and, you know, and so my husband has the kids and um, and one of them slipped away into the gym and you could tell that like Sully had snuck away very clearly. He'd gotten away from daddy. And so, so my husband comes down a little while later and he's like, you know, it reminded me of um, bandit when he's like racing after the kids, trying to keep them from, from uh, Chile. Um, but I, I appreciated the fact that it's realistic. Like you do need a Wendy sometimes who can kind of come in and, and support in a way that maybe bandit didn't quite know or didn't quite see. So again, that's just another way that I love Bluey because I feel like they don't, they don't try to over-perfectify it um, as the Daniel Tigers of the world. Like Daniel Tiger, everything was perfect and everything, it was not my favorite show, but it, it was too, um, too unattainable. I feel like everybody was always happy. Everything was always done just right. And um, in Bluey, it's much more realistic and loving. Um, and and I love that, you know, so Sarah, yours are, um, you've, you know, you have a two-year-old, so you've been um, mothering long enough to, to need those breaks. But I love that parents who have little kids um, or who are just barely starting out can see Bluey and see like, yes, I needed a break and I am not uniquely bad for needing a break. I'm not uniquely exhausted for needing a break. Yeah. It's totally normal. Absolutely. And I, man, and I never even thought about this. I think one reason, you know, I think one of the stressors on parents now is because, because of the way that the world works now, because so many people have, you know, moved further away from their hometowns, or I think that people are more dispersed now. And so I think that often parents today truly don't have the same kind of village around or the same kind of support. Yeah. That far from family. We, I mean, we did that for years. The, the last 18 months is the first time as parents that we've ever lived close enough that grandparents can babysit our kids, right? So for the first, you know, I mean, we were in Kansas for a long time. Our parents are all in the Southeast. We were in Kansas and then we were in Texas. And so we just didn't have that. And so, you know, not being, but I, 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 I never thought about it, but it's interesting because I think that it seems like being in Chile are kind of in the same situation, like Bandit's mom, you know, you, 
the girls do go to her apartment sometimes and you see them hang out with her. And so his mom seems to live pretty close. Chili's dad seems to live out in the country. Right. And they both seem to be widowed. So neither grandparent has a partner to support them while they're watching the kids. Right. So it's mostly just bandit. Like, and especially to me, because I mean, I, I'm, I'm very blessed to have both sets of grandparents where I live. And I got to tell you, that's the ultimate parenting hack. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, And especially that two sets of grandparents because kids are a lot. And so, you know, my, my parents, my, one of my parents would not necessarily be able to watch both kids all day, Yeah. but two of them definitely can. Right. And so I think it does take a village and I mean, we, we're very extreme. I mean, we're extremely blessed that my mother-in-law um, watches the kids and so they don't have to go to daycare. Uh, so, I mean, that's really, I mean, it's really wonderful uh, to have that support and to have someone who recognizes when you need that support. Yeah. But just, uh, so I have, um, we have my husband's mother locally, um, but we don't have other family that can kind of, and, and she can really only take one of them at a time and she's amazing with them, but she's 80. So <laughs> that's, um, it's a different ball game. But I just, I don't want, um, I I feel like one of the other takeaways that we can have from this is that you can be the Wendy. Like you, it doesn't have. Yeah. During the pandemic, we got new neighbors um, that live right behind us. And they are such a blessing to us because our children are around the same ages and we parent similarly. And so we have no problem letting their child come over and hang out for, you know, however long. And they have no problem with, you know, our kiddos going over and playing in their yard for a long time. So I feel like it can very often feel very isolating if you don't have a lot of family around. But I think taking the rest where you can find it. And if you have that neighbor who can, you know, hang out with your kids um, in the front yard for 15 minutes while you grab something or like that, that rest can come in that form too. Even if you don't have the awesome built-in Sarah, it sounds amazing to have both sets of grandparents right there. But even if you don't, like you can, you can get, get some of that from um, friends and neighbors. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And we, that's what we ended up having to do when we were so far away. And that was really hard for me because I'm, I'm a really independent person and I really like being self-sufficient, but if it's family, I don't mind because, you know, I, our families always helped each other, but I had to get over a lot of my pride when we live far away, because I had to become okay with asking friends if they could help me with my kids. If I needed you know, like if I had a doctor's appointment, I couldn't take all the kids to, I had to become okay with asking. And so, you know, it, we ended up kind of in both places we lived, we ended up with a couple of, you know, pairs of couple friends. We ended up with friends that were basically like family who we could call last minute, you know, or, you know, like that, like you said, who, who parents similarly. And, and, and it was really very beautiful. I mean, and I think if we had never lived far away and had had to rely on friends, I don't know that I, I, it would make me sad to think if we had never, if we had never had those, those types of deep friend relationships where we're helping parent their kids, they're helping parent our kids. Like, you know, because I do think it is, it can be a real gift. Um, and you know, we were kind of pushed into it because of need and it ended up being really nice. Yeah, it is a really sweet thing. All right, listeners. Now we're going to move on to our knowing where we're going to, we've talked about a lot of specific episodes. Now we're going to talk more about the show in general. So a question I would posit to both um, actually mainly probably Jessica, because you act, you have boys. 
Yeah. Most children's shows are either for girls or boys. And if a ch- and if a show or a book is about a boy, then boys and girls will read it. But if a sh- if a, if a show is about a girl or a book is about a girl, it tends to just be for girls. So how do we feel Bluey is pretty universally loved. How do we feel that Bluey gets around that in a way that a lot of other shows about two sisters wouldn't? So this is really fascinating because I do have I have two little boys. Um, and they, despite, you know, they talk about she and her all the time. And yet somehow, especially my youngest, he's like, wait, what do you mean? Bluey's not a, Bluey's not a boy. And I think it's because the content is kind of value neutral in terms of gender. Like it's, it's just funny. Like the same way we were saying, um, that the music is just good. It's not kid music. It's just good music. I think that's how they do it. They just created a quality script with really good humor um, and it's and it's not severely normed one way or the other. I also think it helps that they're dogs. Like I feel like the the fact that they're Australian. Yeah, they're not wearing clothes or skirts or yeah. anything that's going to be like, oh, this is a this is a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that there is something. And y'all tell me if this sounds ridiculous. I think there is something to the fact that um, they have Australian accents. So I feel like as um, I feel like as, as listeners, it is easier for us to kind of shed what we expect a bit when, uh, when it's, it's coming at us in a voice that we don't quite expect. So I don't know if it's because culturally we don't think about it in the same way, but for some reason, my kids didn't approach it thinking, boy, girl, oh, they're girls, we can't watch it. And I wonder if part of that was just kind of because they have this awesome Australian accent, um, it just adds one additional layer that, that's not exactly what they're expecting. Does that make sense? Well, I think I definitely thought Bluey was a boy for a while. Um, and then some. I watched one episode kept talking about, Bingo kept talking about her sister. And I was like, where is this other character? Because Bluey is a boy. And I was very much falling into like, well, he's blue and blue is a boy color, right? Yeah. Um, and not, and basically very few of the, any of the dogs really look very gendered. I mean, basically you have Coco who's pink, but all, but, her whole family is pink. So it's not just her being a girl. And the only one who actually wears any sort of like clothing is Indy. And she has like her hair and like she has a little vest because she's a hippie. She kind of has her hair in braids. But, you know, none of the dogs are particularly gendered. If we just showed you a single one of these cartoon dogs, listener, you would not really be able to be like, well, that one's a boy or this one's a girl. Right. Right. I wonder too if sometimes kids think that Blue is a boy because she's her coloration is the same as Bandit, who's the dad, right, and, and Bingo looks like the mother. So, because I, I think some of it, her mom. Yes, yeah, and I think some of that. I think some of it. You're right, Sarah. Is that usually at least in America, Blue is coded boy, um, but because I've even you know I've seen people online insisting that Blue is a boy, and I'm like, except for she's not. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because it is. Um, but I I really like that. I really like that about the show because I think you focus more on the actual content, on the situations, on the humor, on everything they're actually saying because our, those typical kind of clothing and other kind of signifiers are all stripped away. So you're really focused on them as people or dogs, but as personalities, I'll say it that way. You're focused on them as personalities, not as categories, right? Even though, like we said, 
Bandit's clearly a dude and Chili is very much a mom like it you know but it's but I guess those are those are kind of characteristics that come out in their personalities not that you see by looking at their gender coded clothes or whatever you know well, and the girls occasionally do play some, like, games that you're like, yeah, not too many boys probably having tea parties. But, again, it's not it's not ridiculous, but they also, they're also just playing um, outside, and we're playing tag, and we're playing, like, and so there's some of it, but, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not kind of one way or the other of, like, well, and, again, I think in America, it would either have to be, well, she's this super feminine girl, or super uh most boy boy snakes tails and puppy dog tails right and by being a dog you just get to be a kid right yeah yeah i think that's it is, true it is interesting because i i think I, i'm not a show producer so i wouldn't know this but i would wonder if there would be the temptation to make one a boy and one a girl so that there's broader appeal but somehow i feel like they achieved even greater appeal by having them both be the same gender, but not having the emphasis beyond that. Because you're right, there are the occasional tea parties. I'm thinking about um, playing queen, uh, but my boys even watch that and find it entertaining and they transform it into their own type of play. I think again, because you don't have, um, you don't kind of have the the clothing and, and all the additional um, things that, that are very much gendered. Um, I think it makes it more neutral. Well, and even in a case, I, like, I, I was just thinking about Stumpfest again, you know, when the little girls, they want to use the stump to play nail salon, right? Mm -hmm. Which sounds like a really girly game, right? And Bandit is annoyed because he and his friends are digging out these stumps, really manly activity. But the conflict there is not, we're doing important man stuff, you're just doing silly little girl stuff. It's, we weren't finished <laughs> doing yeah. this job. And, they're, and the little girls are like, but we weren't finished playing. Right. Like yeah. it's not a it's not a, a gender based conflict. It's a very typical human thing of we want to keep doing our thing. Well, we want to keep doing our thing, yeah. you know, and then and, and, you know, in the end, the the little girls agree to like back off. But if the, on the condition that they get to like make over bandit. Right. And he does it like, you know what I mean? So it's just interesting to think about that. Even the moments of Louis that feel really girly, if there is any conflict or friction, that's not it's not that's not the reason. Like, yeah. you know. Well, as parents, have you seen or do you feel like you have learned anything from this show? Um, I, I feel like there are occasionally times when I do, but y'all are, y'all are, you know, I'm, I'm like entry level parenting and y'all are like mid level director level parenting. So, you know, maybe I, it's to me, it's just like, oh, this is a whole a lot more newer stuff. And y'all are like, ah, it was old hat. We already knew all this. I feel like um, I found the show really encouraging and it has, especially during the pandemic where I felt like it's easy for parenting to get in a rut where things are um, kind of crazy and different. Bluey was really helpful in offering scripts for um, flexible scripts. I don't mean like exactly what you do, but like narrative ways to play along with your kids. And, um, and then like I've kind of shared already you know, reminders for what to savor and how to kind of enjoy being a parent while also kind of freeing yourself up to, to recognize that, yes, you are imperfect as you're parenting and that's perfectly fine. So I found well, that very helpful. And the first season has a lot, you know, this, uh, listeners, the seasons definitely change. The first season is a lot more like they do a thing and Bluey learns a lesson. 
And second season is the family, the stories are a little more complex. Third season, I would say the family, like the family relationships just start to become even more and more what you might consider normal, realistic. Um, and so for a lot of, the, I think the the fun games were, if I'd be like, well, what would I want to do? Yeah, I want to play Shadowlands. Yeah. Shadowlands seems awesome. I want to, you know, keepy uppy seems like an excellent game. You know, <laughs> those kind of things. I think, yeah, I, I think, I don't know that I would necessarily say that I've learned a ton in the sense of, I mean, it has given us some ideas of, for ways to pretend with our kids. And I think that that is true. Um, but I think even more, it's probably been good for my kids because one of the one of the aspects of autism is that there's like a, not as much of an understanding about pretend play. And mm. so any show where my kids can see other kids making up games and pretending is great because then it gives them a model for, oh, ways that they could play, right, creatively like games that they could play, things that they could pretend. And so for that reason, I love it because it gives our kids a chance, you know, and my oldest, I mean, she's, she's almost 11, but she still really likes to play pretend with her younger brother who's seven. And so, you know, I know that watching Bluey that they, you know, they could be getting some good ideas for ways to play together. Um, so I do think that that's really, that's really, really nice. And I, and, and I do think for me that the bigger effect has just been, encouragement you know and and feeling that kind of um acknowledgement of what some of the hard parts are of parenting but always with the the very warm kind of undercurrent back of it of and that's okay like it's not discouraging right you can watch what's the takeaway right the first season episode takeaway where yes. Banda takes them to pick up the chinese yeah. food and everything just goes completely to pot yeah. like even an episode like Takeaway, you don't come away from it discouraged. It's brutally honest about how kids can make just things go wrong. Like, yes. but it still doesn't feel discouraging. You don't walk away from it going, why did I have children? Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's because it's still in the end, you know, he still sees their joy, their joy in doing something really minor, going down to pick up the Takeaway. And it reminds him, oh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Like, as annoying as this is, and it is real annoying you know, there's still, there's still joy and happiness and brightness, um, in, in being a parent, like, and so, you know, I think that that mood lift is so important to keep, to help you to remember that as discouraging as it gets, there's always rewards of parenting, and I think the show excels at that. I think this show is also really good at, yeah. like, part of the beauty of Bluey is not that it sits there and teaches you something, but that it holds up a mirror. It is realistic enough that you can look at what they do, like on, on, um, takeaway, and you can realize that you see that in your life with your kids too, right? Like that things could have all totally gone horribly wrong and yet you can still see something beautiful. Um, and that's encouraging. And I, I feel like sometimes you need the person to step back and say, you know, yeah, look, you know how to do that too. Like you, you see this as well. So I don't know, like Sarah, you were saying, um, have we learned things about it from, and, and again, I don't know that it's like I'm sitting here learning from it specifically so much as it is. I'm being reminded, I'm being encouraged, I'm being exhorted. And that's that's a nice thing to get from a TV show and frankly, a really rare thing to get from a kid's TV show. Absolutely. I would completely agree on that. So obviously we have had a massive amount of praise for this show, but there are, but this is a piece of art 
And there are episodes, especially I would say like Sleepy Time, Rain. Like there are some individual episodes where I'm like, no, this this goes beyond a children's show. This this is a, this is a piece of art. Um, and so we can always find criticism, and not criticism in that. Well, this is bad because of this. But as we think of it as like literary criticism, we can talk about that. Like, what are they trying to show? And are there anything that we think that they could be doing a better job with than they actually are? Um, and is there anything on there that we, I, the, the thing we hear most about Bluey is this level of parenting interaction is really unsustainable in real life. Um, we see episodes where there would be things that you would never actually allow your child to interact with you or another adult that way. So, you know, you might see the episode of Magic Xylophone, like the first episode where, Bandit is just standing there with the hose just blasting in his face yeah. for however long. Like, that's just not, that's, I'm not going to do that. Huh. Um, or you have, um, and so you have some of these uh, examples of really intensive, super committed play acting and parenting uh, that I think, frankly, sometimes people are just like, uh uh-uh. sometimes you just need to tell your kid because I said so and we're done. Right. And so do y'all feel like that is a legitimate criticism? Do y'all have any I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Sarah, I was glad that you highlighted the differences between the three seasons because we so the first season we kind of tuned into it at the early part of the pandemic. And initially I loved the show because my kids came away, you know, with great game ideas and they were very creative. But then I, I burned out on it because there was just too much. And my kids had the expectation that like, well, Bandit and Chili are wonderful because they do these things. Won't you do them with us too? And especially during those early months of the pandemic where you're like, for the love, we are with each other all the time. I've got to do the laundry. I've got to do X, Y, Z. It, it felt like too much. And I'm glad that in season two and three, they moderated that. And I feel like they began introducing um, deeper complexity into the relationships and more nuance and realism into the family life. So that there's give and take, and it's not just everything always centering around the child and giving the child um, the best possible um, view of whatever's happening at that exact moment. So I'm, I'm grateful. And listener, if you're out there and you start at the very beginning, maybe kind of jump around a little bit, because I think you'll get a more, I think you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll ameliorate that a little bit. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think in ep- the season three, there in the episode Magic, you know, we find Bingo actually comes up and is like, I want to play with you, Mom. And the mom, and Chili's just like, not right now. I'm like, well, why not? And Chili's just like, because I don't want to. I'm tired. I don't want to. And yeah. obviously, yes, the show ends up that, yes, she does kind of end up engaging the play. But the idea is she's like, I can't play with you all the time. Who's going to make your food? Who's going to clean your laundry, you know? And I mean, that's a very real thing that, you know, and sometimes kids want to help uh, doing laundry and that's great. And you can in, in, engage them in helping. But also there's a lot of times where you're just like, I just don't feel like a kid. Sorry. Yeah. Mommy's had a long day too. Well, and yep. I think that, you know, not, not being always played with by the parents also teaches them how to invent their own games, how to deal with boredom on their own. Like, you know, um, and I think that's important too. Like that, that they, you know, are, that they can have nothing to do 
and not and 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 know I can find something to do to entertain myself. My parents not my only option for entertainment. Um, and I do think I do think that first season is a little bit more OTT when it comes to the constant constant mm-hmm. parent involvement. And uh, I've heard especially I've heard dads we know who like the show talk about I like I can't be banded all the time. Like just well, with the very and- physical play, like, um, particularly I think older dads who like dads who started you know families that started like I mean when we started having kids I was I was 28 my husband was 34, right? So you know now we're 11 years into our almost 11 years into our parenting and David's in his mid 40s. He's like I can't be doing dance mode all the time, <laughs> like well, that's just not happening. So but I think that you know I th- I think thank fortunately I think when our kids watch I think I don't know about all kids our kids seem to get that it is in some way heightened. Bluey is that it's not they're not necessarily expecting us to now be exactly like Chili and Bandit, right? I think maybe because it's so hilariously funny, <laughs> and I think that they get that it's a little bit over the top, but I could see where it could cause problems if you have little kids who, you know, really want to translate all of that to regular life, yeah. that, you know, there might be some disappointed uh, expectations <laughs> with some children. You know, they kind of addressed it. Sarah, you're going to have to help me with what episode this is. Um, it's the 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 child and dad are Dalmatians and they're playing octopus. Yes. Point, I, I know it's octopus. Yeah. So that's Chloe yeah. and her dad. Yes. Okay. And at one point Chloe looks at her dad and says, you're just not as much fun as bandit. <laughs> yeah. You're and, not as much fun as Louie's dad. Yeah. You're what? Not oh, I forgot Louis's that. Dad. That's so sad. Yes. But then I think where they, where the, where it helps is, you know, he doesn't come back and be Louie's dad. He tries harder he goes and he looks things up and they kind of have a conversation about it. And I felt like my read on it was they kind of defined their, their way of Chloe and her dad way of playing that both seem to satisfy both of them. I don't know. What are, what are your takes? Is that how you remember it? I think you are completely right on that, Jessica. And, and what, and this, the dad for this one, there it's readers. It's the, the, it's the Dalmatian family and their address is 101. Um, because I, I know never noticed things. that before. Yeah, that their address is one, and the dad is an architect, so they're in this super kind of modern, fancy house. Um, he's a so single dad too. One other right? thing, I, Chloe's dad. He's a pardon? single dad, I think. Right? I no, I think he. I think he this, might be married because we because we see another. Well, we see another Dalmatian with a kid. Uh, okay. but maybe it's a different Dalmatian. We see that one in the episode Wagon Ride. Okay, maybe then maybe I'm wrong. For some reason, I had thought that he was a single dad, but I might be thinking about somebody else. Or you're right; I may have just not seen an episode where they showed both of her parents. So that could be wrong. Uh, but what you end up with, I think, in that one is the dad. Like he uses his strengths. Like he like he's kind of nerdy and he likes to research. So he actually uses his strengths to make the game more fun because instead of just being an octopus, well, what type of octopus can are you going to be? Because different octopuses do different things. So that actually makes the game more fun because you have more options of how of the different creatures you could be or how you could play. Right. Exactly. And I wondered if that was a direct response to criticisms that they might've gotten from parents who were like, dude, I'm not bandit. <laughs> please. Yeah. Or some perspective. Well, and bandit even says in one of the episodes, um, the episode where they're doing the flat packs where he, he makes the little like thing, like I'm not taking advice from a cartoon dog. Um, Cause they're like assembling like their equivalency of like Ikea furniture or whatever. Oh my gosh. Flat pack. I forgot it. That episode gets me every time too. Flat pack was um, awesome. 
Yeah, flat pack's amazing. Well, and I, I had forgotten about that. I do like I do like that. Yeah, because it acknowledges that there's that even that even parents have different personalities, right? Bandits like major extrovert, all physical energy, like you know the dad who's gonna throw you in the pool, right? Like um, my dad was like that. My dad was the dad that would throw us in the pool for hours, right? But that's not every dad. You know what I mean? And like, and my husband is a dad very different. He's in our house. My husband, my husband is the creative one. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I don't make up good stories. I can't draw. <laughs> David can draw beautiful little animations. He's made up so many very distinct from each other, multi, you know, multi episodes stories that he used to tell out loud to our kids. Like, so they get what they get from my husband is not the bandit style, crazy physical play, but like an entire world of imagination. Right. And that's, wow great you know that's it's just that's how he has fun with them so yeah that's really cool I'd forgotten about that episode and that's really important so one thing I want to uh, I didn't have this on here but I want to see again because I feel like it's an important question um, ladies do either of y'all have a muffin because readers many people's favorite character is actually muffin who is the cousin to bluey and bingo and so blue uh the healers live in kind of a, a kind of a, a nice middle class house and then uh the younger brother um Brandon's younger brother uncle uh, stripe he and his family you, they clearly live in a much nicer house like they have a pool like there are all these scenes where uh muffin talks about like we have lots of couches at our house and when they go camping they're in the um they're in the really fancy trailer and the healers are in the tent and the family like, just goes on vacation to bali all the time so they're clearly like they're clearly more well off but ladies do either of y'all have a muffin in the sense of a kid who's just like a tornado? Yeah. Um, my third, who is neurotypical, he was kind of a muffin when he was a toddler. And not in the sense of, you know, being like biting or things like that. But he was the, he was the, the toddler that would just not stop screaming. Like he was the kid that we, we learned cause he's a major extrovert and he wanted everything to be about him. So for him, we learned when he was pretty small that if we wanted the only way to deal with him when he got that way was we would put him like, if we were all sitting around the kitchen table and he wouldn't stop screaming just cause he liked the sound of his own voice or whatever, we would pick him, pick up his entire like high chair, take him around the corner because we had a little like. Our, our, we had a little nook where it was like our pantry was, and it was also the doorway to our laundry room. We would put him around the corner so he couldn't see anybody. And, and then he would chill out because he so badly didn't want to be deprived of social contact that if you took him away or like if he got really ugly, we would we would put him in his room. And I mean, not, not for that long. And we wouldn't, the light was on, like he could play, but just being separated from everybody else, he would lose it. Like, so he was a little bit of a muffin because he was, he had that big personality. I want what I want. I'm going to scream and yell. Like, and he had to kind of grow out of that phase. And basically I think it was him realizing I love being around people and I'm not going to be able to do that if I can't be pro-social. <laughs> like if I can't, so you know. Funny behave appropriately i'm going to be deprived of the interaction i want and that's what fixed it for him but wow. it's funny i never thought of him as a muffin but he totally was you know it's funny because you said you have a muffin and i was trying to think between my two boys if either was rather muffinish and i don't think they are but i will say we've had um muffins cycle in and out of our social groupings in ways that like it's not like okay you know that child may not come to play again but like for some reason or another this child's in our life for a period of time and it's interesting how useful um, it's been for my children to see 
because I think it's given them perspective on some things that they will do. It's it's taught them tolerance of their um, of their friend. Um, so it's interesting. So we don't we don't have a muffin in house, but we have outsourced a couple muffins, and it's been um, a valuable learning experience for everybody involved, uh, me included. Like learning not to leave everything. Um, I just assume that every child would be like my child, and then. You know, here comes this sweet little muffin that just pushes all the boundaries and, and, you know, tastes the fake logs in the fireplace, things like that, that you just think, oh, I didn't know that was, I didn't even know that was possible. So, but again, it's like, it's a good opportunity for my kids to recognize some ways in which their behavior may not be pro-social. Um, and if they want to get to hang out with people, yeah, they, they kind of have to moderate a little bit. And I think they can only see that when they see it to excess in another person. Yeah. All right. Well, so um, are there any episodes that maybe the show is really you you can tell what the show is going for that you know the show's going like this is the thesis of the sh- of the episode and you're like sorry, Louie, that's kind of a bad thesis. I'm gonna really disagree with you on that. Um, I have I have one, and then my husband has one, and my the big one that I just cannot stand, and I frequently I'll actually end up just skipping the episode is I really can't uh, stand the episode omelet. And that one really gets to me because I am someone who loves to cook and I love to cook for people. It's really an expression of love. And readers, what happens, listeners, what happens in this one is it's Bandit's birthday. So they're going to do breakfast in bed for him. And so Chili's going to make him an omelet. The girls were going to make a card, make the pack the little tray, and they're going to take it up because he gets really, really hungry in the morning. And completely this morning, that morning, Bingo decides that it needs to kind of be all about her and she wants to be the one to help make the omelet. And so she needs to be the one to carry the eggs and she needs to be the one to mix the bowl and to crack the eggs. And she's, and we see that she's not very old. She's, I think we, I think she's five and she thinks she's five years old in this episode. Cause we, cause I think we've already seen her birthday episode. So she's five years old and she's dropping eggs. She's getting shells and everything. And Bandit's kind of like, I'm really hungry and I want to eat. And they're like, no, you can't eat because we decided that instead of your birthday being about you, it's about this special moment for your child. Um, And that just drives me nuts because I do think there are times when we need to let our children know it is not all about you today. It needs to be about someone else. And I think Omelette does not do a good job of showing that. Yeah, I, I don't like that one either, Sarah. I think that's probably the only one that I'm really not a fan of. And I think to me, it's a, it's maybe a, a case of misplaced priorities. The episode seems to be prioritizing above everything else, showing Ch- Chili being patient with Bingo. That seems to be the highest priority in this episode because she does. She keeps showing patience. Um, before we started recording, listeners, I was telling the ladies that I had looked up this episode online and someone counted, and it's 18 eggs that Bingo breaks in the course of trying to make one omelet. Um, which is just rage inducing. But it seems like that in the moment, and maybe one of the reasons it gets all over me too, is I do think it's really important for kids to see their parents prioritize each other. And I think that Blue actually does a great job with this. I think you see Bandit and Chili prioritize each other all the time and their kids see that they have a really good relationship. But in this case, on this occasion, Chili's really prioritizing, like Sarah said, Bingo's experience over Bandit on his own birthday, (laughs) which is not great. It's not great. And I think 
And and there are so many other episodes where we see Chili being really patient with the kids. It's not like we needed this episode to tell us this. We already know this from all of these other episodes. Yeah, and it right. could have been it could have been a great opportunity for them to demonstrate how to balance the two, right? Like how you can have it be Bandit's birthday and it's gonna be about Bandit. And oh, you know, I really can see that you're frustrated here. And you wanted to be involved. Why don't you do this? Like, I feel like there could have been some way to thread the needle that still could have been sweet and involved without um, Sarah, like you're rightly pointing out, sacrificing Bandit on his day um, for um, for Bluey's uh, enjoyment of the day and feeling fulfilled in the day. And the only other one that I will say that I am not that we don't watch very often at my house is. Um, we really don't watch uh, dance mode very much. And that's a pet peeve of my husband's because dance mode, like if dance mode were a thing that like you do at home, I think we would be fine with that. Like, Hey, at some point, you know, we can turn on something and mom has to dance while she's making breakfast. Like, okay, yeah, that, that could be fun. But I think dance mode is really like, it's designed to kind of be embarrassing. And that's not a thing I think family should ever do to each other, at least to the outside world. Any, any other episodes that y'all have that you're, or is that just me being way overly uh, picky? No, I was, I was uh, thinking about what you were saying about the last one. That's interesting um, because I had, I mean, I think one of the things I like about the show is that the, the parents will sometimes um, persist in the play, even despite the outside world coming in. But I also can see where that could actually go quite wrong and, and be problematic as well. And I think what you're highlighting <clears throat> is, trying to purposefully embarrass someone, I think is, is quite problematic. Um, so, but I think the two, both episodes that you've highlighted, and I think there are others as well, kind of, they, they seem to fall down on um, overemphasizing, bringing out one good highlight. So like overemphasizing playing with the kids and, and kind of to the exclusion of everything else or overemphasizing um, the relationship of patience between parent and child to the exclusion of everything else. Um, so I think that's kind of a, um, that's a, that's a good, um, a good, I think you picked two episodes that do a great job of um, highlighting some of those challenges. Yeah, because if, if, you know, Bingo's sad because she's still hungry, the answer is we buy you more food. Not that we have to do an embarrassing dance in front of strangers. Yes, yes. You know? This is not a good coping mechanism. It's not a good um, communication strategy. So, um, all right. Well, before we kind of head on to our passing on, I wanted to throw out because, um, and I was going to ask if y'all had any crazy fan theories that you would want to share with listeners before we go. So I'll show one of my crazy fan theories is there is an episode called double babysitter, which is like the sweetest meet cute anybody's ever had. And I, I want to watch a full rom-com about this, about, about rad and frisky. But what we have in this episode is Chili um, invites her friend Frisky, who is Blue's godmother, her good friend over to watch the girls. And at the same time, she I'm going to air quote, accidentally forgets to text Frisky that uh, Bandit's brother Radley is also going to be there. I think that Chili purposely set them up. I like your theory. Because, yeah, your theory. because you see Frisky like looking for this message that she's like clearly not finding. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, so yeah. then she's just like, oh, I guess you could both babysit, huh? So that is my fan theory that Chili purposely sets Frisky and Rat up. And we find uh, out, listener, yeah. listeners, that they're married in the very next episode. So I kind of wish I could have seen that wedding because I think seeing like Bingo and Muffin and Bluey get like be flower girls in a wedding would have been awesome. That's a missing Seriously. episode. Yeah, it would have been really cute. I well, the first time I saw that episode, I I posted on Facebook that I thought it was a perfect seven minute romantic comedy, like mm-hmm. because the the way that the because I mean and it goes you you get so much in that seven minutes. Um, I I would believe that it was a setup. I think my I don't know if it's a fan theory or not, but we've had a lot of conversations, like I said earlier in our house, about whether or not the magic is real. Mm-hmm. when things appear to be magical or if the parents are just so committed that it appears to be because i think there are definitely times it appears like it is but then well, in the episode fairies we see an actual fairy yeah right. that's true i yeah well and it's hard too though because how like it's such a fanciful show and they pretend so much like it would be difficult to know are we being shown the way that blue and bingo see the world or yeah. the way things actually are like, it's just interesting to think through because everything else about that show is so grounded and realistic. It's just really interesting that this is apparently also a world where magic is totally real. And yeah. apparently this whole family have to some degree can practice it. It's just funny. Um, but I, I think that's my only kind of thing that I wonder about or, you know, that if there's some kind of a, a secret like theory behind it all. Jessica, any fan theories for you? So I feel like y'all are putting me to shame. I feel like you're bigger Bluey fans than even I am because I don't, I can't quite think of one. Um, I, I agree with you on Rad and Frisky. And I think the magic thing is interesting, but I don't, I feel like I don't have another one to contribute here. Sorry, y'all. I don't know that there are that many. <laughs> I mean, okay. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, you know, not, I mean, it, it's a pretty honest show. I think about most of what's going on, but I don't know. I've never gotten into the, you know, the, the belly of like blue message boards. Maybe there are other ones. I don't know. The extended universe and bluey lore. Um, I, I, I watch I have like a, I'm like, I have a little thing of like bluey memes that I go through. And so I, I see lots of these, like there's one again that I don't really agree with, but like, I think before season three and we knew before we knew that Pat was married, like Lucky's dad was married. We only ever saw Lucky. I think there is a, an ex- assumption that like Lucky and Wendy had a thing for each other, but then we see in season three that Lucky or Pat is his Lucky's dad or Pat is his actual name is is actually married. So I think that one kind of went out the window. That's funny. I, well, that and is it is funny. interesting because you're like like we were talking about with the Dalmatian family. Like it's not always clear if we're only seeing one parent because there is only one parent, or if you just only see one parent because that's the parent who brought the kid to the playground or whatever you know like it can be tough I remember feeling surprised I found out and I didn't realize this I always assumed Rad was the youngest brother oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because, he's the oldest he... and that did completely I figured that Bandit yeah. was the oldest then Stripe and then Rad was the youngest because he's got cool hair you know he's yeah. single like you but but and I I still haven't seen the episode that shows them when they're little kids but they're that's really cute okay I'll have to look because reading about that episode was the first time I ever realized that Rad is supposed to be the oldest brother and I was like what <laughs> so that wasn't a conspiracy that was just something I had I had totally misordered that family in my brain you know yeah. Well, and we find out also in season in from uh, in season three, it's in an episode because they only they released half of season three in the U.S., but they're all available in Australia. I don't know why we don't have them all. 
But we find out in season three that Chili has a sister. Oh. Whose name is okay. Brandy. And we find out Brandy, the reason Brandy doesn't come along, and see, this is the like these hard-hitting feels that like kids don't get. We find out that Brandy doesn't come around because Brandy is uh, has fertility problems and can't have children. Oh. What? Oh, yes. man. Yeah. I'm not, now I'm, I'm not as sorry that I haven't seen every season three episode because that sounds super sad. Yeah. It kind of is. Like when you realize it and you're just like, oh, that's, oh, that's rough. Um, so. Oh, that's sad. Is um, I'm trying to think if there are any other like super crazy ones that I could think of. Um, I think that the presumption is that like like when Bluey and Mackenzie get older, that they're probably going to get together. So if you want to like ship six year olds, um, <laughs> and my personal favorite of all the little boys is Rusty because I just think like I was like he is so cute with Indy and yeah. he like. He's like, I'll fix the mower. I'll fix the fence. I'll fix the dishwasher. Here, I made you a cup of tea this morning. I'm like, that's a good boy. He's just, he, he's so good across the board. I didn't mention it earlier because we didn't have a reason to talk about it. But one of my favorite episodes is Army, yeah. which is the one where Rusty includes Jack Russell, who's a new kid at school, who is clearly, the they don't say the words, but the way he's described. Yeah, he's ADHD, probably. He talks about not being able to focus and how he has trouble doing what he's supposed to do. And it's clear yeah, that this is still. Yeah. yeah. And he seems to have been to multiple schools. Right. Mm-hmm. And Rusty just is like, cool, you want to play Army? And just immediately includes him. And yeah. and I like that episode too because the game that Rusty wants to play with him is a game that actually Jack Russell can be good at. Yeah. You know, like his strengths can come to the fore anyway. But I, I never thought about it. But at the end of that episode, Rusty's dad comes back from his military service. And knowing yeah. that his dad is like a military guy kind of makes more sense to it of the stuff you said, Sarah, of him being like, I'll mow the grass. Like, you know, doing kind of like dad mm. stuff you know like yeah. his dad his dad is probably when he's when he's not deployed his dad probably loves doing all that stuff around the house because he actually has the opportunity to you know mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well listeners clearly we could talk about this for hours um but we we're going to wrap it up for the sake of uh our podcast so for our passing on katie why don't you go first Okay, I'll try to go fast. I have two recommendations. One is a repeat. I'm going to recommend the kids show The Backyardigans, which I recommended, I think, way back in the Christian Feminist Parenting episode. Um, it's on Noggin. Originally, it was in the U.S. on Nick Jr. It's a Canadian show from years ago, earlier in the 2000s. Um, it's great because it's a group of five little children who are, they're all animals, but they play together in the backyard every day, have insanely creative games. Every episode is a different genre of music. So my kids have learned all different kinds of historical and current um, genres of music from around the world. And all the dance moves they do were motion captured real dancers. So all the moves they do are realistic. Um, And again, it's a show that my kids learned how to play pretend from watching. Um, And I I like it gender wise. It's great, too, because in every episode, it's three little boys, two little girls, but they all take turns being the the villain or the person who's in distress or the person who's in charge or whatever like um and i like it even class wise it's great too because a lot of times they might be pretending they're in outer space but they're pretending they're space garbage people hauling the trash 
or like a lot of the things they pretend are totally mundane jobs. Like there's one episode called Movers of Arabia where they're moving stuff. Now they're moving stuff for a king, a sultan who has a magical cave full of magical items, but they're moving it in a moving truck. Like, you know what I mean? They're not like princesses every episode. So that's the first one is the backyard again. And then the second one, because I was just thinking about um, what TV shows do we enjoy that are also not American? So there's a series on Netflix called Simon, which is from France, but it's it's in English. It's dubbed in English um, on Netflix, and it is about a world entirely populated by bunnies. Everyone is a uh, a rabbit, but um, we really enjoy Simon. It's about Simon, his little brother Gaspard, and their two their parents, um, and they're doing a lot of regular stuff that kids do. They go to school. There's an episode where everybody gets head lice. Um, that one's hilarious, um, and but we like it because it presents again like Bluey. It presents a different type of um household kind of culture and also i think even the way the kids interact with each other in terms of gender is a little bit different so that on simon there's multiple episodes where you see um he's depicted as being afraid in one case it's going to the pool with his classmates for the first time he's really scared of the pool and so you they showed the little boy being scared and not wanting to do it but then his little classmate a little girl lou he she's also really scared and in the moment what that ha what happens in him is he he kind of bucks up and says well don't worry i'm here with you it's going to be fine and so he kind of gets brave to help her because she's afraid like and i feel like those kind of you know i feel like in an american show like the little girl would never be scared at all right or she would be the brave one helping the little boy be brave and there's nothing wrong with that but i feel like every american show has that same dynamic now where the little girl is always the bold one and so it's really we really like watching Simon because you see, you know, bold, saucy little girls, but you also see little boys get to kind of step up and help a little girl who's in distress, which is a little bit more rare in American kids shows now. It's also just really funny. Um, so those are my recommendations. The Backyard Again's on Noggin and uh, Simon on Netflix. That's awesome. I'll have to check those out. My recommendations are so for the slightly older set, I would recommend True Spirit on Netflix. So that's the true story of Jessica Watson, um, who sailed solo around the world when she was like 16, I think. Um, and it's great because it portrays um, it portrays how you can do things even when you're scared. You can do things even when you're sad. And it's okay to feel like you're failing and get back up and keep going. Um, so especially now that my kids are getting a little older, I love having those stories for them where they can kind of see that in action so that when they come upon a challenge, um, they can kind of remind themselves that there's nothing uniquely um, bad about finding this hard. Um, and they can kind of look to these these uh, characters like Jessica Watson. Um, so that's a great story. Um, and then another one, so Sarah, you mentioned wanting to have like a calmer show. So Tumble Leaf on Amazon Prime is a good one. The uh, It's rather formulaic, so as they all are, but it's rather formulaic. Um, you've got this kind of cute, colorful little, I don't even know what he is, but animated character. And he finds different things in the quote, quote, hiding place. And um, I don't know, it's just nicely animated. There's fun sound effects. It's not too crazy busy. So it was always a good calm down one for my kids. Um, and then my kids were huge fans of Stinky and Dirty. That one does not have the same. Um, that one is very formulaic. It's how can we solve this problem? Um, the music will probably get stuck in your head. But if your children really like uh, construction equipment, it'll it'll be a big hit. So those are my recommendations. 
Um, I can second Tumbleleaf to the maximum. Tumbleleaf is amazing. It's so, and I've forgotten about Netflix, or uh, Amazon. Um, okay. I've forgotten about Tumbleleaf till you mentioned it, Jessica, but it, it, it uh, Sarah, it's, it's like stop motion. Yeah. It's Ooh, like the most beautiful okay. stop motion animation you've ever seen. And, and, and it's not so much that the music is like, it's not the same music as Bluey, but it, I don't know, something acoustically, it's very pleasing, which is yes. saying a lot for a kid's show. Absolutely. Yeah, that one is just absolutely gorgeous. I'm kind of sad they never made any more seasons of it because yeah, it's so good. Well, listeners, I'm going to recommend, as I uh, frequently do on here, uh, an anime. It's a manga, but uh, probably you're going to watch the anime. It's on Hulu, and it's called Spy Family. And like Bluey, this one is also kind of an ode to the nuclear family. And so we have a ridiculous setup that you frequently have in anime and manga. And so it takes place in kind of post in a fictionalized uh, post-war Germany. And we have a spy who has to infiltrate um, high society. And so he, a lot, he has to have a child and a wife in order to make this realistic. So he, the child he find he accidentally finds is a telepath. And so she can read his mind. And then the, a wife that he kind of brings along and decides to use for his ruse is an assassin. And then they also find a dog and the dog can see into the future. And so, but nobody, but nobody else knows any of this. So the, the assassin wife doesn't know the child's a telepath, doesn't know about the husband, the spy husband who's a spy doesn't know about the daughter or the wife. And only the little girl, Anya knows everybody's like jobs and roles. And so she's always kind of constantly trying to help, her parents and she's really struggling in school because it's a big part of the mission is she needs to do well enough so that she gets taken into, they get taken to like this inner court. And I think the idea is this very simple thing. Like what does it, what do you have to do to save the world? You have to have a strong family. And I just really love that. So, all right. Yeah, it's really fun and um, it's it's very easy to watch. So like you could totally watch it with, you know, six, seven, eight year olds. You know, there are some guns and everything, but there's no bloody shooting. It's very, it's very good. That sounds really All fun. Right. One, uh, if, I can, if I can throw one yeah. more in there, because we talked yeah. about music so much um, on the kid front, Big Block Sing Song wins okay. her house as having just like fantastic, great lyrics. Um, that are little rhymes and they've got great little lessons in them. They're also just funny. So if you haven't ever heard Big Boxing Song, go check those out. All right. All right, listeners, thank you for listening to the Christian Feminist Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic or a reading recommendation for future shows, or if you just want to drop us a line, you can do so at christianfeministpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page or at the network's Twitter handle, ch radio network and check out the show notes from this and other episodes at christian humanist blog at christianhumanist.org the christian feminist podcast is a member of the christian humanist radio network kristen philippic is our press liaison for katie grubbs and jessica harden i'm sarah clooster tune in in two weeks when we'll discuss sister juana inez de la cruz until then in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty and in all things love